It's the Heart of a Fighter show. You guys, thank you for joining me. This is your coach, Coach Johan. It's been way too damn long. I am so glad to have you guys here with me now. Guys, it's been months, but you're back in the show where we talk everything, everything gym life, everything sports nutrition. We talk about PRs. We talk about how to recover from injury. We talk about addiction management in your daily life, quitting smoking, eating less fats, MCT oil. Guys, if you do it in the confines of your gym wall, we are here to talk about it because I have 17 years of coaching under my belt and I have met a lot of you out on the scene inside the gym. I've coached a lot of you low this past six or seven months where I've been taking a hiatus from the show. I've been able to be uh, granted the opportunity to train professional fighters, amateur fighters, uh, amateur uh, hockey, uh, mountain climbers extraordinaire. I've been blessed. And so with the accumulation of my gratitude, hey, it's time that I paid it forward by reprising Heart of a Fighter. As I've said before, this is the show where we talk about everything within the gym. That's right. Let's say your girlfriend is just learning how to do her PR back squats. And she's having problems rotating her hips because she broke her ankle a long time ago. Well, this is a show where we talk about it. Let's say you're trying to eat a little bit better. You learned how to make the best caveman coffee. You want to learn about sources of MCT oil. This is a show where you get it. I have to reintroduce myself just to say I'm so glad to be back. And I'm glad that you guys are here to join along with me. Because this is for you. Right? This is for you. So, where the hell have I been? It's ironic because I did another show discussing similar events, right? Well, business has expanded. I've set a lot of goals at the beginning of the year for my business here in San Jose. And I have been slowly uh, aggrandizing or graduating towards those goals. So I'm very proud to be in a space Filled by gratitude. Um, More clients, more classes, more certifications, learning, further educating myself, all of that shit. (laughs) It's been great. Um, Taking on more on a competitive level. Had to recently dial it back, though, on my kickboxing and Muay Thai, but that just means I'll be able to spend more time here, so... When I started training my fighter, okay, we, I, it was funny. I was brought in to train a couple of fighters, one amateur, one pro, uh, both winners inside and outside of the ring. And when I was brought in to train them, one of the first things mentioned by their head coach was their recovery from injury. And isn't that always the case? Like we want to reprise or take a break from our training in life because we hit these uh, walls induced by pain. We're self-inflicting pain when we work out, when we lift, when we get strength coached. 
and it stops us from getting better. And I'm always thinking, why the fuck are we doing that? What is our addiction to being okay with nagging injury? Because agreeing to ignore injury in small order is agreeing to kind of take breaks from your training. Right? There's always this mesocycle where training starts, it ramps up, and then it stops. And it stops because of injury. Right? Not everyone. I've had a lot of trainees who aren't like that. But a lot of high-level athletes that train with me, there's always these inherent breaks in their programs. Man, so my pro, he would get, I would tell him, okay, hey, we're going to start off with our, we're going to do some sprints. We're going to do some jump on the treadmill, get that bitch to 10, run as hard as you can for X amount of seconds. Then we get off and do some floor stuff for the rest of 90 seconds. And I'm like, let's go. And immediately, before even acknowledging, before I got a chance to end my sentence, he's stretching. He's got the whole uh, stretch like white man can't jump where he's he's about to play with uh, Sydney with Wesley Snipes and uh, <laughs> just stretching. And I'm like, oh, damn, this dude's been injured. So as I get into it, he's been, you know, he has the low back injuries, you know, doesn't like to do overhead stuff, doesn't like to hang. Very, very common. The amateur fighter, she's got an upper body injury in the in the, in the uh, rotator cuffs. Also very common for athletes. And so one of the first things, guys, why, why are we doing this to ourselves? Why did I, when I was 15, decide it's a good idea to bench press as heavy as I fucking could? As heavy as possible right away. When I learned to bench press, I think I started in my house, right? I got, I earned 50 bucks from coaching uh, private school basketball. I bought my first dumbbell set. They were chrome. I got a piece of furniture that was essentially like a weight bench with arms on each side of it, like an elevated arm, like an oversized ottoman, essentially. I'm leaning back on this shit and I'm doing chest excuse me, chest flies. The chest flies were my first foray into lifting weights. I think I just turned 15. Later that year, I go to the gym. Me and one of my best friends, right? We were addicted to it. We wanted to get big. We wanted to get some action. And by all means, the talent, beautiful women, they love swole-ass chests, right? And I was playing football. Hey, let's go. But what did I start by doing empty bar for reps? No. Did I start by engaging my core? Wrong. I went heavy. Over time, ignoring little pinches in my shoulders, the type that guys are all too familiar with, you know you've had it. If you're a football playing guy that stopped playing football past like 19, I'm going to say your shoulders are probably dog shit. And we've talked about this on the show before. We accept a measure of pain, right? We accept a measure of pain in our lifting as if the adage that that's just weakness leaving the body is true. It's not. When I see some of my trainees come in and they're half dead, 
their back is hurting, the shoulders are hurting, the Achilles ankles are hurting, uh, they're sick. I'm thinking to myself, why don't you guys break out into a full stretch? Right? <laughs> Go ahead and start stretching because we're about to hit it hard. And if you're too injured or you got a nagging injury, it just straight up isn't worth it. There's been a message in our society that working through physical pain is valorous. <laughs> well, fuck, it's not. <laughs> if you have a little nagging injury, okay. Take care of it. Take some time off and get back when you're recovered. But don't work through it and think you're being tough. Not unless you're going through some kind. If you're in the military, of course, I'm sure they teach you this. And you need to be able to perform through these injuries all the time. But if you're not, almost exclusively, guys... I've seen high-level athletes have to take time off because nagging injuries just aggrandize over time. Stop being brave. Be smart in place of that bravery. Nagging injuries and bravados are not. They're strange bedfellows. Right? What is with our society and this ability to accept pain? I don't mean to ask a grander question about the nature of pain within our society. Maybe that could allude to our um, unwillingness to be vulnerable in place of taking a day off, right? We got to work. We got to work. We got to stay upright. If you take all your sick days, you look like a bitch. If you look like a bitch, you're not going to get that good paycheck. You're not going to get paid. Someone's going to get your extra shifts, right? You'll be the first one cut when the fucking robots, the automatons, start taking your job. We out here thinking, hey, I can't show any weakness. But that's so stupid. Guys, if you're kind of one of these adherents to this, it is instead very worth it to recover. The time we spend babying a bad hip, a low back, or tight psoas muscles. Right? Could be spent shutting it down and recovering fully. Right? You guys know about David Goggins. Man. (laughs) An entire portion of his book is about him recovering from having tight hip flexors. Here's a badass. Probably the penultimate badass. And his hip flexors are keeping him down. And what does he do? He spends weeks... And months stretching it. Right? A couple years ago I had to see my orthopedic friend. A a ring doctor. He does uh, fights. And. The prognosis for me. Ingesting three Advil. Three times a day. For three weeks. Maybe even four. I had to cut that down. uh, Measurably. After like two weeks. But I did that shit. So I could bring the inflammation down in my hips. So I can stretch my ITs, etc. I had to shut it down for a little bit of time. But to this day, for me personally, the problem still hasn't gone away. Because I didn't completely stop working. Instead, I kept swinging my kettlebells. Kept running. Sometimes on the treadmill. 
kept doing my Muay Thai. Well, the older I get, the more I realize ain't all the time in the world to do shit. Maybe if we spend some time shutting it down and recovering, that's more time we could spend being active at full 100% capacity. Similarly, there are parts of our society that are all too equipped to handle pain over time. Pain management, right? Pet headaches, pet shoulder injuries and back injuries, neck injuries and knee sprains, pet trick knees, trick Achilles pulls, and hamstrings. We love to carry these injuries around. They're allusions to our past being real and us going through it to get to where we're at. Right? We're too good at handling pain. Let me ask you guys something. How is it that we're able to see trainers and strength coaches? Okay? Like my like those two fighters I was talking about. Right? We're able to see coaches. We're able to work with them at a high level. And we're able to be in fucking pain the whole time. Like you know you've met. Uh, Maybe your best friend or you even, you've had a trainer. That trainer made you do some overhead running presses through sand. And all your vertebrae just said, fuck you. At once. Right? And you went back in for more. Like, oh, okay. Let Let me go heavier this time. Right? Like, I took a class, I think, the other day... Uh, my lady teaches a class, and 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 I remember it was in. It's a very hot. It's a heated class. You got kettlebells. <laughs> the uh, the probability that some kind of steel <laughs> cannonball is gonna hit you in the face it's omnipresent. I'm not gonna lie. Like I could very much stop and be like, is this shit safe? Should I be pressing a kettlebell overhead with sweat on, just a, with the with with water coating my body anyway. Um, and like in the first eight minutes, the in shape woman next to me, she looked like she was in decent shape in eight minutes. She left and I'm looking like, wow, she just said, fuck it up and left. You know why? Because why are you going to stay? Apparently she pulled a muscle and apparently she's like, well, that's all for me. (laughs) I'm going to take my ball and go home. Respect because at the end of the day, it's important for us to know our limits as men and women. (laughs) And it's important for us to take the time to recover fully. Why is that? Let's take a minute, or not even just a minute, let's take an extensive period of time to think about the last time we acknowledged the pain within. I don't mean emotional pain, but I mean the chronic nagging pain that we go through. Remember when you got up this morning and you put your leg on the ground, your knee, your knee went just a little bit, right? A row of fire ants sprinted up your hamstring to the base of your skull. You rubbed your skull and you shook it off and then they left. Remember that? How about the time you sprained your ankle? 
and then a week later you sprain the same ankle easier. You're just walking on some elevated flooring. Little carpet tripped you up. You got defeated by the fucking carpet. Remember that? And it and it and it hurt, sent shock waves through your ankle. Guys, these things happen. When are we gonna spend the time to ice, to recover, to see the PT, the physical therapist? To say, hey, I'm not going to a chiropractor because you don't do shit. Except tell me what I need to hear. When was the last time you went to the massage therapist? Right? You did your yoga. Your restorative shit. Your yin. You got your yin cracking, right? You got your your headstand on. You got your jackknife going on the ground with your Pilates. Oh, man. One of my fitness senseis. One of my fitness mentors... He was a Pilates genius, right? Dude might travel around the world throwing other grown men on their back in judo tournaments, but dude was all about his Pilates. When are we going to restore our bodies? Well, I'll say this from experience. Start now. Start very soon. Because the likelihood that that shit is going to aggrandize into something much worse is 100%. What starts out as a tinge of pain here when you turn your foot just like this and my head kind of goes like, ah, will turn into crippling pain. The type of pain that'll knock your ass out for a week, then later three months and will prevent you from achieving. And it's worth it to step up and say, hey. The last time we did these bent over rows, you know, my back was fucked up. And so I'm not going to do it anymore. Spend some time icing. Spend some time recovering. Spend some time putting your body in correct positions that hurt. This is the nature of kind of restorative body mechanics. They hurt. It hurts to sleep normally (laughs) on your back or on your side with a pillow underneath your knees, because your body is so used to compensating. You're used to managing pain. We all are. And so kind of correcting our body, you know, it feels funky. But that's probably what we have to do to stay healthy again. Yo, maybe it involves some CBD or some straight up uh, THC, whatever state you're in listening to this might disagree, but I say always take your body weight exercise seriously when you're talking about recovery. Recovery is about putting your body in correct positions for it to move. When we do body weight flows, when we do movement training, when we do yoga and Pilates, it's rarely weighted. And that's because compensations start to show up. After we've been down the road of recovery, put some trust in yourself. Put some trust and belief into the process of recovery, knowing that in the same vein that working really hard has these visual evidentiary benchmarks, sweat, blood, you know, more of your six pack coming in, more Instagram likes on your story when you got your freaking half top on, you know what I mean? These are proof that your work is right there in front of you. And when you start recovering, there ain't no proof. 
Well, you have to go out of your way to make the proof. You have to go out of your way to see how far you are to being able to touch the floor when you bend over and stretch. How long can you hold isometric movements? The boring shit. (laughs) The better you are at these boring moves, the better you're going to feel. And that, guys, is what I have to say about recovery. Um, Make it boring. Make it hurt. Make yourself happy. Because it'll make you a better athlete in the long run. Because there just ain't all the time in the world. (laughs) So use what you have wisely now. Guys, I recently came up on a lot of articles. Oh, man. About why, uh, you know, we should be eating more oats, oatmeal, and, and avocados. I've been reading about the efficacy of plant based diets and how that shit's blowing up. And I recently stumbled on this article about Peloton. Here it is. On a disgusting, steamy New York City summer night, the Peloton studio, where especially devoted writers can choose to sweat together, smelled like a deli steam table, hot, wet, disturbingly alive. But no one seems to mind. In the locker room, talk is of how to get off the wait list for the class that's about to start. The mood is giddy. Three couples from Plainview, Long Island, are wearing matching Peloton tank tops and giggling on the leather sofas. They've made this trip in Mecca because one of their group has reached the important milestone of her 100th century in Pelosi ride. And milestones are important in this world. That this community would form such an enormous part of the business was never the plan. It was more of a happy accident. That other members started getting the same idea, and then Pelotin started advertising. The May 2019 Vita posted 3,000 riders from 49 states, plus Puerto Rico, the UK, and Canada. Tickets sold out in 10 minutes. And then there's the branding of Peloton. No small part of what has made it basically an empowering global message board for upwardly mobile women ages 25 to 55. There's always been something a little bit tragic about home exercise, about the claustrophobia and mundanity of it, about replicating activities, running, biking, originally designed for transport, for fresh air in the lungs and cheeks going pink, and vistas and neighborhoods traversed and admired, inside, in our most neglected domestic spaces. Peloton's whole plan was to counter that perception, to position home exercise as a luxury as opposed to a compromise. So, I mean, yeah, this is interesting to me because I wasn't aware that Peloton was positioned as anything other than another stand-up cycling. But if you are aware or you're in the fitness space, whether you're a consumer or you're just up on the hypest, newest shit, or you're a coach... How much do people love their cycling uh, and spin classes? You know what? They don't even call it spin. I feel like that's an insult. Cycling, man. Everyone's on this. Apparently, it's real fun. Like, I've done it before. But it's fun. It's hard. You can just lose yourself in it. What are we doing? We're pedaling in place. Your feet are hooked into the bike. And you're going hammer because there's music in the background. And it's live. And people love it. And apparently Peloton has taken this to a stratosphere that ain't like anything else on friggin' earth. They're out here doing big numbers, right? Baseball numbers because they have this demographic of mostly women that like to share their successes. Um, I, I had no clue that this thing existed like that, that it was positioned itself as a luxury item, man, they're trying to 
automize fitness too? Like shit, I used to think that the easiest thing to never be replaced by a robot or an automaton would be a coach, a fitness coach. But they are fucking trying, aren't they? They're trying to take my job. Man, who is they? Non-fitness people. That's the motherfucker about it. Non-fitness people are out here trying to pretend like some automaton can do what I do. And I don't think it's possible. But Orange Theory argues with me. Peloton argues with me. That thing where you roll out a projector in that lonely wall space in your living room that has nothing hanging on it and it's too awkwardly shaped to hang anything near that place now will occupy a projection of a fitness trainer running and jogging and doing burpees in place having you mimic him in a cutoff shirt and your job is to just show up every day because here's why this works guys right here's why home fitness not great you do Shanti, you do P90X, and you don't tell no one. No one knows you did it. You stand in a puddle of your own sweat. It's getting, it's gross. You have to change your underwear just to go lie on the couch again when you're done. Eh? Why? You're not going to do any of this shit outside the confines. You're not going to go to the gym, right? Grab two neoprene pink five-pound dumbbells and do speed skaters for 30 seconds at a time and then go do pull-ups. And then you're not going to do burpees. Like, the, the fact that you're watching a fitness DVD is the activity. Now, now, I'm going to do that and I'm going to tell everybody. But I'm not going to tell just everybody. I'm only going to tell the other thousands of people who are doing the same thing. We now have a shared experience of working hard. And doesn't that validate your work a lot better? Like the most unsexy thing and one of the reasons why fighters to me are the most in shape and Olympians and, you know, you're you're in the military special forces and you're staying hard like Goggins would say. If you upkeep on your fitness and you have to work out harder than everybody all the time, there's no fucking reward. In the same capacity when you're looking to quit something... That is pernicious to your lifestyle, stopping cigarettes, maybe you chew too much fucking gum and you have a bunch of cavities, caffeine is making your AFib go haywire. When you're forced to quit some of these, there are no celebrations. You have to do it on your own. Not anymore. When I go to an Orange Theory and I can look up and say, hey, I'm kicking uh, Jalen's ass on the bike. Right? He's looking kind of soft and I'm just going to cruise right by him on the treadmill, on the rower. That makes my struggle real. (laughs) Before it was real just to me, and that didn't matter so much. Yeah, my shirts look great, right, on me, but no one said anything. Now, you have to say something because I'm going to put it out there. (laughs) Uh, Man, I must feel some kind of way about this because that was way more analysis than that was, than I thought I would give, honestly, and I feel the same about it. Do what you want. But there aren't no substitute for a good coach. But you already knew that. (laughs) Alright guys, this has been the Heart of a Fighter show. Thanks for joining me. We are back. I'll see you guys next week. We'll do more. More of this. More of the other content that you guys have been so appreciative of over this time. 
Let's help each other grow, especially if you're listening on iTunes. Rate this show. Give it some five-star love. Send me some questions so I can answer them. I will talk to you guys soon. Until then, stay up and, yeah, have a great week.